Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easy Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode 58 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto, your host here, joined by our brand new spanking co-host, Jordy Neal. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. Sounds sounds quite nice to say that. Uh, <laughs> said, uh, this week we had a chat and decided I'll come in as a co-host. So, yeah, thanks for having me and I'm looking forward to episodes in the future. Well, it's great to have somebody, I, I always see it as a, a case of, when you listen to podcasts, you know yourself, we both listen to them, and it's great to have sort of regular opinions uh, from, from similar people and like-minded people and guys that you can kind of, you know, get to relate to, and, and that's kind of what I consider ourselves to be, is guys that people can relate to on, on, on a certain level, you know, the, vo- the voice of, of certain people and opinions of certain people, and it's great to have you on. Uh, as somebody who can and can can give us, you know, a different insight into things, and I mean, you don't you don't always, you know, one hundred percent agree with everything I say, and and we have little bits of differences of opinions, but that's great because if we didn't, it'd be a bit of a boring podcast where we're just agreeing yeah. on absolutely everything, just praising each other for for, for an hour. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think you're right, and we we've had a we've had good conversations since since we've been going, and we've obviously got good good big plans for for the podcast and. 
for the whole brand in general so it's exciting times absolutely well on today's show we've got this weekend's action coming up we'll give you some of the highlighted fights that we're looking forward to this weekend as always we've got the boxing history segment the news and gossip segment and the Q&A segment this week so we thought we'd condense the episode down a little bit rather than giving you you know one and a half hours to two hours uh, of us talking at you maybe something like 45 minutes worth of content so like you can guys and digest it as one rather than having to keep going back and forth listening to it over the course of a couple of days so i hope it works for you if it does please let us know because we'll keep it in this format and in this style if it doesn't again let us know tweet us at btr boxing pod so jordy let's get on with the show let's talk about this weekend's action so quite a lot of fights this weekend uh looking through it through uh, this week uh, i was looking thinking you know what what forgot this weekend i can't remember there being any major major big time fights this weekend but there's a couple that i think flew under the radar and one there's two of them that are happening this weekend which going to talk about first and the first one's over in America it's Maurice Hooker who beat Terry Flanagan for the WBO Super Lightweight title earlier this year and he's facing off against Alex Sosido and he's defending that title now it's going to be an interesting one because Hooker's actually been in a bit of trouble, hasn't he, recently, from from what I recall. And he, he I can't remember what it was. Was it drink driving or something like that? He was he was done for recently. I don't think he's he's ever been too far away from a bit of controversy. I mean, I remember when he came over for Flanagan, he he seemed like a quite a a lady guy then. But yeah, so he's had his problems, and um, maybe that'll play out in the ring because I know Sosido fancies the job from the little bits of um, he's obviously got. I think it's 18 KOs in, in 28 fights, so he can obviously punch a little bit. So I think Hooker will have to be careful. It should be a good fight. I am looking forward to it in, in respect of I am looking forward to seeing whether Maurice Hooker can continue this run of form that he's on. He, he's currently at 24 wins with no losses, three draws against Cedo, who's got 28 wins on his record. And when you sort of de, you know delve into the depths of, of, of records and, and something that sometimes can... You know, look, make fighters look a lot better on paper than what they are. If you do look at Sosido's record, there's not a great deal uh, of notable names to the wider boxing fan, but. You know, obviously, he fights the majority of his fights in America, where he's based. So, a lot of the American fans will know him. Ab- Abner Lopez is one of the names on his record that people may know. So, and there's also Leonardo Zapavinga as well. I think I don't know if people will know of him, but he, he is a, a fighter over in America, um, mainly fights over there. But this is a big step up for him, even at 28 and 0. It's a massive step up because obviously Hooker now we've seen, uh, obviously from beating Terry Flanagan that he, he you know he's, he's a world champion he's world level he's got the ability to, to hang it there with world level fighters so it's whether or not Maurice Hooker can continue the sort of run of form that he's on at the moment or whether Saucedo can come in uh, as, a, as a sort of relative unknown to the wider audience and, and come in and, and cause an upset here I don't really know how this is going to go down Jordy have you got any thoughts on, on, on what you think is going to happen I think I think Hooker's going to be pretty difficult for anyone to, to go and to go and beat him really I mean don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's unbeatable because he's obviously not at that level he's a good world champion but just his style you know he's quite tall he's got extraordinarily extraordinarily long arms and you know if he, if he boxes on the outside and keeps people at, at bay it's going to be quite difficult to get him as, as Teddy Flanagan found so um, I thought he won that Flanagan fight pretty comfortably and obviously the form didn't 
play out because Flanagan's gone and got beat again. But uh, yeah, I think Hooker he might come through this on points just by using his his physical advantages. Uh, but I'd like to see maybe Jack Catterall or somebody get a sh- get a shot at him next because I know he enjoyed his time over in the UK. So you know, might hopefully get him back over here and see if someone like Catterall can get that belt off him. I think Catterall, uh, because of the fight with O'Hara Davis, obviously doesn't get all the credit he's deserving at the moment. And uh, a fight with Hooker would be quite an interesting one because he's got a, a different style to, to what I think Hooker's been in with. And, and that'd be interesting. But obviously, we've got to see whether or not Hooker can get through Sacedo this weekend. Should be an interesting fight. Definitely one to, for people to tune in on. It's uh, it's actually on Friday, so the early hours of Saturday morning for, for UK fans. So there's the first fight, which uh, I think for me, personally has flew under the radar a little bit but not so much as the second one for UK fans so this weekend on Saturday we've got in Spain we've got Frankie Gavin going for the European welterweight title uh, against Kerman Lajara I think it's pronounced or Laraga not too sure but he is going in against a guy who absolutely obliterated Bradley Skeet uh, earlier on this year and we obviously we know Frankie Gavin Bradley Skeet history it's going to be it's, I tell you what Frankie Gavin has got an absolute tough task on his hands given that he's not really reached the uh, abilities that, and potential that he came into the pro game with and Lajara just looks like a monster you said it before he looks like a monster yeah. I mean that that up. They've done that to skeet before, and you know he he literally just obliterated them. So I mean that that obviously puts everyone on tender hooks and thinks you know this guy could could be anything. But as we've said, Frankie Gavin's got all the talent in the world. He was a decorated amateur. People often go back to his to his amateur pedigree and wonder really where it went wrong and why he hasn't quite reached them heights. I mean, as a pro, I mean he's been a British champion and he's fought Kelber for a world title. And you know he he has had a a decent career, just hasn't quite hit the levels that I'm sure he would have hoped as well. But, you know, he's going over there. Fair play to him. He's going to Bilbao, I think, where the fight is. And he's trying to rip that title off him. And if he can do it, then then great. Get the belt over here and let's try and get some, some big fights over here for Gavin. But it's, a, it's an uphill task, especially being in Bilbao. It's, it's a massive uphill task. The way the way I see it is, Frankie Gavin. Uh, I don't think we've seen we've ever seen the best of him uh, as yet. Like you say, the the, the fight with Brock in two thousand and fifteen. You know the fight with Eggington in two thousand and sixteen, which was a, an absolute barnstormer of a fight which he lost. And you said it before we started recording. Funnily enough, that and you look at the two two guys and and the careers they've had. Really, you wouldn't have expected Eggington to to even. You know, be fit enough to lace up the boots of Frankie Gavin, given the decorated amateur background that he had. But yeah, he did a number on him essentially in that fight. And then he's only had one fight this year against obviously well-known journeyman Kevin McCauley. He's only had one fight this year, and he's going in against a guy who's twenty-six and zero, and shown uh, obviously a lot of the wider audiences like when he beat Bradley Skeet that he's a guy to be reckoned with. And I said it on the last time, uh, last time he was out, and we spoke about the Bradley Skeet fight on the podcast it's he's announced himself you know on on the European stage and I, I, I feel I feel like Hanky Gavin's going to get obliterated here on, on Saturday night and I, I don't like to say that about fighters you know just going into the fight and saying right well you know what he's just going to get obliterated even though he's got this decorated background but Lajara's he just seems to be a bit of an animal not seen 
the best of him, I don't think, but and he looks a little bit limited at times, but I don't know. I'd love, like you said, Jordi, I'd love for Frankie Gavin to go over there and, you know, ram it down everyone's throat and make everyone eat their own words, but I honestly can't see it happening. Yeah, I just want to see Frankie Gavin weigh in in, in good shape and at least give himself a shot at winning this fight. I mean, I know he, I remember him missing weight for the Egerton fight. It sort of took, and as you say, that turned out to be a great fight, but it took so than he's obviously had his weight he's had his weight issues and I just want him to give himself at least a shot because his talent will never leave him but he's he's a bit like as we touched on last week with Dave Allen he's just doing himself a disservice and it's not very good to see but that said all the best to him and there'd be no one wanting him to get that belt more than I do well, moving on then, we've got Steve Goodwin's show this weekend at the York Hall uh, and a couple of good fights on that card that I think obviously need to be mentioned on the podcast. The top of the bill being Wadey Camacho against Arfan Ekbel for the vacant Commonwealth Cruiserweight Championship. Wadey Camacho, just a guy that just kind of keeps on coming back and getting beat and then coming back and he just kind of proves people wrong time and time again in, in, in the domestic scene but he's got another great opportunity here to become the Commonwealth Cruiserweight Champion. Now this for me would be brilliant for him because he's never been the Commonwealth Cruiserweight Champion before, he's been the English, he's been Southern Area you know, he's, he's fought for a WBC International Silver Cruiserweight Championship, he's been in with some of the great domestic names of the Cruiserweight division and he's previously lost to Arfanik Bell, something that I needed to point out to, to listeners there, he fought him last year in July and lost via TKO so this is, you know, a, a second matchup between the two and Camacho on recent form, looks like he's going to definitely hold his own in this one. But again, Arfan Iqbal is—he uh, was supposed to be fighting Simon Valili. Um, uh, no, sorry, he did fight Simon Valili earlier on this year, which was a split decision draw. But you know, for me, he's a guy that we've 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 wanted to see move up and get that next step in his career. In and obviously, the Simon Valili fight was that, but it was a draw up in Newcastle in June on the Ritson Bill, and then. He goes in against Camacho again because Camacho's earned his shot at this vacant Commonwealth title. And I just, again, it's one of them fights where you, you expect on paper Iqbal to walk away the victor and take the Cruiserweight title at the Commonwealth. But Wendy Camacho just, you know, he kind of, he, he's like the rebound man. He, you know, he goes in there and loses like a big fight, comes back, gets a good few wins on his card, uh, gets a Southern Area title, and then puts himself up in that position again. A good fight, Jordy. Should be a good one for the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll definitely be, the people in attendance will definitely be entertained, that's for sure. I mean, that's what Camacho does. He's, he's in he's in some crazy fights at times, you know. Obviously, he's, he goes like life and death pretty much pretty much every time. And, you know, we had that great fight with Chamberlain. and He's, he's previously been knocked out by Iqbal. And if I'm totally honest, I'll probably see it going the same way again. Um, half an Iqbal's at that throw with Simon Verlilli, who... Novelities, and we kind of keep touching on this in every podcast. But he's he's got a, a decorated amateur background as well. You know, he's no mug. He might be a bit crazy, and <laughs> that played out in the Craig Glover fight with him always talking and looking out the ring and not listening to his corner and could go on and on. But he's he's got talent at the bottom of that. So and that was a competitive fight. So I think Iqbal will probably see this as a good chance to get to get older that Commonwealth belt and move on. And maybe yeah, I believe it will be another loss for Camacho and then. As you said, he'll probably rebound and end up in another domestic fight somewhere along the line. 
Well, we'll see. It should be a good one, good top of the bill fight. Uh, moving on then, and going to the other good fight on the card, which I think is a really notable one, because it's the English Super Bantamweight title, which is vacant and he's on the line between Michael Ramabaletsa and Ryan Walker. So Ryan the Lion Walker, we did a little feature piece on him on EatSleepBoxingRepeat.com. Uh, he's looking forward to this fight. It's great step up for him, he's currently 8-0 and at the moment, going in again so I'm a Balatza who's 50-50 record really, 16 wins, 17 losses on his on his record, but again he's another guy like Camacho who's been in some some really good fights and he, you know, a lot of the losses on his record have been close, uh, apart from the couple of, uh, obviously TKO losses that he's uh, suffered the, yeah, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of his fights uh, Peter, but I believe he's been in with some really good names hasn't he? And, yeah, you know, well, exactly. like, his, his record's probably not a Probably not a true reflection of his ability. You know, I'm not. I mean, he's definitely not going to win the world title, but he, he's a good, he's a good level fighter. I know he's been in with like Thomas Patrick Ward and you know, Ryan Doyle, Calify, Ian Butcher. So he's been in with some good lads. So he's definitely he can definitely hold his own. But as you said, uh, Ryan Walker's on on the upward on the upward trajectory at the moment. So you'd know, be hoping that he can get his hands on this super uh, on this English title. Yeah, another good fight for the car. It's quite a stat bill. I think there's about 15 fights on this bill. So for anybody going to be down there, I think you're going to be down there quite early because it's a big bill. <laughs> uh, we've got Elliot Stock covering it for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat. He's going to be there covering it on Saturday night. So hopefully you'll get some stuff on our social pages, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Catch him, catch him on there and see what's going down in that show. So moving on, Steve Wood show here in Manchester at the Victoria Warehouse. And you recently spoke to one of the competitors in this one which is Liam Taylor going in against Tyrone Nurse which is being billed as a eliminator for the British welterweight title currently held by Johnny Garton who won it recently in a great fight. This is going to be a, a really good fight actually and one that I'm very much looking forward to because these guys fought before, back in 2015. Uh, Liam Taylor only got literally about three or four days' notice for this fight. So, at the time, he, he was definitely wasn't ready to go in against Nurse, who, who at that point for me was probably uh, at, his, at his major, major peak of his career. Obviously, now he's, he's, he's... You'd say he's coming into maybe the latter quarter of his career. I don't know if it's a bit harsh to say that about Tyrone. You know, he's a great guy, really nice guy to talk to, but... In his, in his last two fights they've been back to back defeats the first one against Jack Catterall which was for me you know it was it was a defeat it was quite a competitive fight but Jack Catterall looked the better fighter on the night but I do feel for him because in his last fight in May this year he went all the way over to Australia to fight Jack Brubaker and I said it on that episode that we did about it he got absolutely robbed shafted had his pants pulled down big time in that one because the judges were ridiculous in that and that's not me that's not me being biased by the way that is the fact that he was really really robbed and if you get footage of that fight which you can do you can watch it back and you clearly see that Tyrone won the fight and I do feel for him but he's been given a great opportunity here to to go straight back into the fire by fighting former Foliam Taylor who, whose only defeat on his record is to Tyrone Nurse so this is going to be a pretty good fight this weekend Jordy and uh, you know I'm just it's just a shame I can't get to it this weekend but I'm really looking forward to it and, and you know for anybody that does want to watch it that's listening to the podcasts it will be on VIP Boxing Promotions Facebook page because they do do a live stream and they do on Twitter as well so if you are interested in watching that you'll be able to find that on there but yeah no great fight for the build that one isn't it yeah definitely I mean 
as you said, as you said, I spoke to uh, Tyrone last night, and he was he was really up for it. And he, he said he's he's really happy up at welterweight. He he mentioned he's he's sort of had a battle with the with the super lightweight limit from pretty much the Willie Lemon fight, which I was quite surprised about. He said that was when it started to get tough. So he's got a new lease of life up at up at welterweight. He's not taking Liam Taylor lightly by any stretch of the imagination. He was he was quite complimentary of Taylor. But I mean, I think he expects to come through. He he feels like he done a good job on Taylor last time, and even though he's on short notice, he can maybe do that again. I know Taylor will probably have different ideas, obviously. But yeah, I mean, Tyron was in good was in good form. He's looking forward to it. You know, he's got he's got pretty decent aspirations up at welterweight. So you know, it's going to be a clash of two lads who've obviously got you know expectations of their own. So they'll both be they'll both be going for it Saturday night, and you know, good luck to the pair of them. The card has got us, uh, some good fighters on there as well, some some wider known fighters. Bob Adjusafe making his return at light heavyweight uh, on this card as well. We've also got the first diabetic boxer in the UK, Muhammad Ali. To He's going into his second pro fight on this card. And quite a lot of local guys that obviously I know have an old Charlie Schofield and Kane Garner, uh, Joe Eco, Bradley Ree, and Luke Evans. I know all these guys obviously have met him, have interviewed him before in the past on the YouTube page that we've got. So, uh, you know, good luck to all these guys. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry I can't be there, but I'm sure it'll be a good night for them all on the cards. So there's that show locally. There's obviously shows going on around the country, but I don't think there was any other ones that I'd picked up on that uh, had any major clashes on them. Uh, shout out to obviously MTK and Lee Eaton because he's got a show on down at the Brentwood Centre as well. And like I say, we go over to America uh, again for Matchroom and their next offering via the. The zone streaming service. So this is going to be a little bit of an interesting card to talk about because I feel like I'm going to start by saying I feel like some of the names that Hearn signed to get onto this card is solely for the fact for the the, the reputation that they've built as opposed to where they actually are in the boxing careers. So when I say that, what I'm referring to is the fact that we've got Gabriel Rosado on the card and we've got Brandon Rios on this card as well. Now, obviously, these two guys are well, well known. You know, really big names over in America and and well-known names over here. So these two guys are on the card and it just kind of feels like these guys are kind of at the end of the careers and, and maybe should be coming to... You know retirement talks, but again, because of the names, uh, Eddie Hearn snapped him up, and he, you know, he's a smart guy in that respect. He's used the fact that they've got this fan base and these names over in America to to, to fill the card out. Because when you look at the depths of the card, it's, it's for me personally, it's not fantastic, and I don't think it's a fantastic offering. And we'll, we'll talk about the the headline act in a minute, but. I, I, you know, bar one or two fights on the card again, it doesn't feel like it's uh, it's going to be a great watch. If I'm being personally honest, but Jordi, I'll come to you then. Do you, do you agree or do you disagree with what I'm saying about the Rosado and Rios guys being on the card? Do you, do you think it's do you think it's just the names that he's using to to get the you know the attention on that card? Yeah, I think I think he did he did pretty much similar when he came into the to the English market. I mean, I know he's pretty, he's a bit more established with his his dad. Sort of laying the laying the foundations, but you know he signed some big names to sort of get the get the numbers up in the UK. So I think he's just sort of following a, a plan that works. If you if you will, Rosado, you know people know him. He's been in some big fights. Or what, whether people believe he's he's really a contender or 
or not is a different conversation. So, yeah, I think he, he's going to draw in numbers. And I think that's the point of the game that Eddie's at in, in the USA. He just needs people watching and, you know, people just knowing that the zone and Matchroom USA are there. Well, on the card, we've got two fights which people will, I think, will be more interested in than any. And the first one is the main event, which is Jarrell Miller against Bogdan Dinu. And Jarrell Miller's been lined up for some sort of clash with either Anthony Joshua or Dillian White in the future. So he's on the card and he's going in against a guy who's undefeated in Bogdan Dinu. Again, he's... Probably not known by anybody, but he's knocking everybody out for fun that he gets in the ring with. So it is going to be quite an interesting one because I do see it being a little bit of a slugfest. And Jarrell Miller is that type of a fighter. He does like to have a little bit of a slugfest. He's very much like the American version of Dillian White. And it's going to be interesting to see whether he comes through that slugfest. I mean, he has come through quite a few in his far in his career so far. He beat, obviously, Marius Wack. He beat Thomas Adamek and over the hill Thomas Adamek. Uh, you beat Gerald Washington, Fred Cassie. Now, these are names that are, are well known as sort of gatekeepers uh, in the heavyweight division. So it's going to be interesting to see whether this Bogdan Dinu is is has got anything to him other than you know the fact that he's beat a load of guys that nobody knows. I'm I'm quite interested to see. He was set up to to fight Tom uh, Tom Little. I I might be I might be wider than Mark there, but I believe Tom Little was meant to fight him. You know, on the Huey Fury Pulev card. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, you're fell, right. That fell through for some reason. I don't yeah. Know it is. No, it's you're right. Fight, you're right. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I just don't know what to make it, Jarrell Miller. I mean, what did he weigh in at last time? Like twenty-three and a half stone or something. Oh, so he was ridiculous. It's, it's just like I know he's. I know there's no limit at heavyweight, but there's got to be some. There's got to be some sort of athleticism there. But as Eddie Ian touched on in like a interview with IFL, I believe saying that, you know, he's got a good engine and as long as he's got the engine being that heavy, then no one can say anything. And he does have a point, but, you know, could you really see Jerome Miller in a ring with Anthony Joshua or would you want to see that? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, think I definitely it... wouldn't want to see that. You know, it's he's just, he's just, I think he's just heading towards the territory of who needs Jerome Miller, do you know what I mean? He's a good fighter, but he doesn't bring much else rather than calling everyone an English muffin. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. And, no, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to sound disrespectful to the man there, but I just don't see. I just don't see where the Jarrell Miller thing's going. Lennox Lewis said it right, didn't he, a couple of days ago. You heard that side there. Lennox Lewis said uh, a world champion heavyweight doesn't look like Jarrell Miller. Uh, he looks like what he looked like in his career. That's what he was kind of alluding to. And Jarrell Miller doesn't look in any great shape at all every time he gets into the ring. And I don't know what that is, to be honest. He, you know, he kind of reminds me of Dave Allen a little bit, who, who's got this great punch, you know, great chin, like we said on the Bellu Usyk reaction show earlier on the this week, we were talking about the fact that you know he's a guy that if he put himself, you know, down to the grind, he's, he'd probably be in great shape and probably do a lot better. And I think Jarrell Miller's another one of them. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, but as we as we as we both know, you know, bodies don't win fights, and that that is true. But there's got to be a certain level. You know, you can't be weighing in at twenty three and a half stone or twenty two and a half stone. That's just that's just insane. No, I agree. Uh, moving on then. The other fight on the card, uh, middleweight female division, Clarissa Shields, 6-0 and 
IBF champion, WBA champion and fighting for the vacant WBC middleweight title against Scotland's own Hannah Rankin, currently 5-2. and two. Uh, This is uh, an absolute huge opportunity for Hannah and the love and support she got on social media when this was announced was, was immense. But Clarissa Shields is... Uh, you know, she's for me. She's next level when it comes to female fighters. She's she's Katie Taylor level. You know, head and shoulders above the rest. And this is going to be a very tough ask for for Hannah. And I, you know, I wish her all the best, and I really hope she can go in there and and do the job. But she lost her last fight over in America via a unanimous decision to Alicia Napoleon, who was nine and one. So going in against this decorated amateur star, who's now becoming this decorated professional star, doesn't hold a lot of of, of sway on paper, really. But it's, I think as 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 guys over in the UK, we're going to be supporting Hannah and hoping that she'll win. But, on the same sense, you can't really not appreciate the, the, the beauty of the art of the sport of boxing when it comes from Clarissa Shields. No, I mean, I, I'd probably say this was... <laughs> she's probably the headline after this show. I know Jerome Miller's up there, but I think, you know, what Clarissa Shields has done as an amateur, she's probably the headline for me. And I mean, I don't mean to write Hannah Rankin off. I, I wish her all the best. And if she wins, then, then great. But, you know, Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor, that sort of being touted a little bit. I know Katie has to go, I believe Katie has to go overweight and Clarissa has to come down the weight for them to meet. And, you know, the current the current state of women's boxing means that, you know, girls are going to have to sort of jump up and down weights to make really competitive fights because the depth is just not there in some of the divisions. So I hope that happens. I hope, you know, because Katie, Katie desperately needs a test. And I think Clarissa Shields will shortly get to that point as well where she's just literally head and shoulders above all of the competition. So, moving on then, we'll go to the next segment of the show because that is all we have for the major fighters this weekend and we'll go into our next and the segment I love so dearly and it's This Week in Boxing History. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So it's this week in boxing history. Uh, as always, we've got some great fights to quickly discuss. And we're talking about today, November the 13th, and when I was looking at it earlier on today... I was actually looking at three or four fights that happened on this day in boxing history, and I thought, "Wow, God, these are you know these are significant fights that happened in history." So the first one for me happened in 1982, and it was Ray Mancini knocking out Duck Kung Kim in 14 rounds to retain his WBA lightweight title. Five days after this fight, Kim died at the age of 23. I think it was one of the first well-publicized. Deaths in the ring, this one with Mancini and uh, Kukim. It was one that people will remember as as, as quite a significant turning point for uh, medical uh, situations within the boxing ring because obviously you had this situation where 
it was a really, really tough, grueling fight. And back then, it was a fifteen-round fight. And, and, and these days, you you sort of it makes you fear for what would happen to people in this day and age. You know, in a fifteen-round fight. But back then, it was fifteen-round f- fights with with smaller gloves. And wow, it was you know it was immense back in the day. But this was uh, you know a tragic situation where you know we've seen the death of a boxer essentially for, you know from injuries sustained in the ring and quite a significant moment in time for me personally in boxing history any thoughts on that one at all Jordy? yeah I mean it's obviously tragic but you know if there's any good that's come out of it I know I know this, this his death particularly sparked you know the changes that came with the sport I believe so you know be, looking after the fighters better and I know they looked at into taking the rounds down to what they are now the championship 12 rounds so you know I don't he didn't die in vain and you know he still had a big impact on the sport Absolutely. And let's move on to 1992. And it, these two guys keep coming up on the podcast in this segment every single week. So, 1992, give us the first of the trilogy between Riddick, Big Daddy Bo, and Evander, the real deal of Holyfield. And Riddick Bo beat Holyfield in the first fight to win the world heavyweight title. It was the first of three epic wars between the two. So, this is a trilogy that I, you know, I've alluded to previously and, and probably one that I'd like to cover in the Legendary Night series that we're, that we're going to be doing because it was such a significant trilogy of fights for boxing and the history of boxing but this one were, was a brilliant fight and one that I've always you know when I look at YouTube videos and I look at you know great fights it's one that I'd always go back to to watch because it's just pure heart and desire from both men yeah especially that especially you know the 12th round yeah. is it the 12th yeah, yeah the 12th and you know Holyfield absolutely goes for it and you know them little clips there they you know if, if someone's looking to get into boxing you know yeah look at all the boxing that we've got now over all the channels and everyone's great and stuff like that but go look at them at them old school rounds where they're just going for it and you know that, them them sorts of clips are what sparked my love for the game so you know I always look back fondly on them another one back in 1999 and again it involves Mr Holyfield and this was the second fight with Lennox Lewis when Lennox Lewis retains and unifies at the same time the world heavyweight title and I remember this particular fight because how old was I? I would have been about 13, 14 at the time and I remember listening to it in the middle of the night on BBC (laughs) Radio 5 Live Uh, obviously whatever time it was I remember staying up just listening to it on the radio not because I was that poor that we didn't have box office but I was of an age where uh, you know I wasn't able to to stay up, <laughs> stay up. My parents didn't really like me staying up till four o'clock in the morning, but I had it on on the radio, and I remember it because I remember listening to the first fight and thinking, "Wow, it sounds like an absolute robbery." And back in you know '99, the internet was only really just starting to take a bit of a grip on the world, and you didn't really have things like YouTube about then, so you you, you couldn't really get to just go in and YouTube videos and watch the fights like you can these days. So you had to kind of catch it a few days later, or you know if someone had recorded had recorded it on a videotape via via box office you know that was the only way you got to see the fights back then so it was an amazing amazing compelling fight between the two of them a bit scrappy and a bit dirty at times but it was fantastic when when Lennox Lewis was crowned the unified heavyweight champion of the world yeah I mean it's obviously a big part of his legacy and you know this fight is one I've not watched a great deal but you know what I remember the fight sort of swung in each fighter's favour all the way through is what my recollection of it is and that's not an expert one if I'm honest but you know I think 
didn't one of the judges have it a draw or something along them lines and you know it just shows how competitive the fight was and just how good these two fellas were really yep so moving on then to we've got two more on the list and it's the back in 1999 on the same night as Lennox Lewis unifying the heavyweight championship of the world over here in the UK we had Paul Ingold beating Manuel Medina in Hull to win the vacant IBF featherweight title of the world uh, when I say vacant I meant actually Medina had the title <laughs> um, and, he, and Paul Ingold won it off him and that was a, a great moment in the career of Paul Ingold and you know, the fact that he'd won an IBF title, he was a great fighter in the featherweight division back in the day before he sustained his injury, which, again, is another sad moment in boxing, but, I don't know, great win for Paul Ingle there, winning the IBF title back in 99. I remember, I actually remember the, the show, I can't remember if it was, um, if Naz was on it as well, I don't know, I'd have to actually look into that, but I do recall actually watching that particular fight on Sky Sports in the early evening of, of, of 99 of 13th of November. Uh, Jordi, I remember that one or is it one bit before your time? No, it's definitely before my time but I've, uh, I've definitely done my research and you know I obviously hold massive respect for Ingle and it was probably one of the biggest, well if not the biggest night of his career so um, yeah, nothing but respect for him and you know a, a trailblazer really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, there isn't any more, actually. That is it. <laughs> that is all of it for this week in boxing history. So, we'll go into the penultimate segment of the show, which is news and gossip. So, news and gossip. Let's have a chat. Let's see what's been going on in the past few days since the fallout from the weekend. So, a couple of bits of news. Tyson Fury's father, John Fury, has reportedly been denied a visa to travel to America for the fight with Deontay Wilder due to his previous criminal convictions. Quite interesting. I don't know whether they'll try and appeal it and get it overturned, but understandably so it's you know it's difficult to get past that big wall that Donald Trump's built up these days and you know with a guy like John Fury who's let's let's be honest got a bit of a decorated background you know to put it politely so how, how much of a difference is that going to make because Ben Davidson is his trainer and Ben Davidson's the guy he's been working with and listening to is it going to have any impact on it mentally or do you think he'll just just crack on no I think Tyson's a pretty you know, I know he's had his problems, but I think in a boxing ring he's extremely single-minded, and I think he trusts Ben Davison. You know, people have their opinion on that, but I think Tyson does trust Ben Davison, and I think he would have ex- expected expected this news to come. So I don't think it's going to come as a massive shock. You know, it's a notoriously hard country to get into if, if you've got a criminal background. So even if you have, even if you have turned your life around, you know, look at Martin Murray. He he can't go over for the field and fight. I've seen on on his social media because. You know, he had a bit of trouble years and years and years ago. So, you know, I think it was expected. I don't think it'll affect Tyson too much. I don't think it will, being honest with you. I think Tyson's got himself into a great place mentally where... You know he's he's ready for this. He looks in phenomenal shape compared to what he did. And don't get me wrong, when I say phenomenal shape, I'm not saying he's like an Adonis at the moment. But compared to what he was, he looks in phenomenal shape compared to that. And 
He looks like he is training for speed, movement as always, head movement, footwork, and that's going to be a real interesting podcast to, to, to go down when we do a little preview one on that fight because it's going to be uh, one that I am very much looking forward to. Uh, another bit of news then this week, Jordy, Joe Joyce parting ways with Haymaker and obviously changing promotional companies and doing a bit of a shaking up in the background there. Uh, what do you make of all that? I mean, I... I... I don't. I didn't really understand Joe Joyce going there in the first place. To be honest, you know, I think Joe Joyce would be suited being on. I think he's got a bit of an American dream, so I think that's might maybe why he's done it. But I would like to see Joe Joyce. You know, whether that'll be on the BT Sport platform or Sky Sports. You know, he's definitely got something to offer the heavyweight division. So I think it was probably expected from anyone who anyone who really knows the stuff that it was only going to last a year or so, as it did. You know, them them shows on Channel Dave. They dried up pretty quickly. And, you know, I don't, I don't really see what David Hay is going to do promotionally wise. And I know, you know, you now see him managing. So yeah, I think it was expected. And good luck to Joe Joyce. I hope to see him in some good fights in the future. Because you know, he's he's thirty two, is he now, or thirty three? So he's, he's he's knocking on a little bit. So you know, you'd like to see him in some big fights sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get the uh, upcoming announcements from PBC in America. Their pay-per-view announcements, obviously, we've got today being announced as Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia confirmed to be March the 16th at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas. It's going to be on the Fox Network in America. Uh, hopefully, someone will pick it up over here. I, I mean, I get this stink, distinct feeling that maybe it'll be like, a, I don't know, maybe a Box Nation job or something like that. Maybe they'll pick it up or something I don't know but it's a very very good fight and it's a surprising fight that I know it's been talked about for weeks on end now but now we're sort of getting full confirmations and venues and all the rest of it it's a fight that I wasn't expecting to happen I didn't think Marky Garcia would jump up that far and and especially take on someone like Errol Spence he's regarded as one of the uh, great fighters of the welterweight division yeah I mean but Mikey Garcia is immensely talented himself and he was sort of stuck between dropping down and facing Facing Lomachenko, who's many people's pound for pound best fighter on the planet, and he is absolutely amazing. Or going up and fighting Spence, and I think Mikey Garcia's way of thinking is probably: I go up and fight Spence. I believe I can win. If I lose, I come back down to a weight more suited to me and fight Lomachenko anyway. And I think I think that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much how it's going to go. And then we're also going to get the imminent announcement, which we've again has been talked about uh, the last few weeks on different outlets and social media, uh, of Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner for the Jan- January the nineteenth, likely to be at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas and on the Showtime Network. Another big fight, Jordan. Another good one to look forward to. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, Manny's still going, isn't he? And you know, I'm probably the. I don't know how to put this, but I'm probably in the chairman of the Don't Like Adrian Broner club, to be honest. I just got no, just got no time for him. I don't think the looks. I think he's a talented boxer, but I think he's just everything that's wrong with celebrities and in inverted commas. So, yeah, I'll be hoping Manny does a serious job on him. So, we'll go into the final section of today's show. Uh, unless, Jordy, you've got any other bits of news that I've not already talked about. The only thing I, I picked up was maybe De Gale and Eubank for January 19th, I believe. And I believe that might be part of the, the PBC coming to the UK. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, I imagine that will land on ITV. 
Yeah, it's been talked about, hasn't it, in the past few weeks. Uh, uh, first of all, they were talking about December, and now we're looking at January, as you said there. And I think ITB, ITV were in the running for it originally. Uh, it's good to know that it's potentially going to be coming to at least one channel anyway, and we will get to get the opportunity to, to watch this fight. So I haven't got anything else for news and gossip for this week. Have you, before we move on? No, no, that's it. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, well, we've got two questions then for Q&As this week, and we'll go through the questions, we'll have a little bit of a chat about them. First one's from former guest of the show, Simon Mann. He says, what does the future hold, well, what does the future look like for Scott Cardle? It's been a bit of a disappointing year for him. I think we've covered a lot of that earlier on in the reaction show this week, and I think to reiterate what I said earlier on, I think it's probably time for him to hand the gloves up now, Simon. It's... Don't think there's anything left for him to do. He, he, he for, for for the fights he's been in, it just feels like he's maybe you know if he if he if he drops down a level, he's going back to where he started in his career. Really, isn't he? He's fighting journeymen. He's going to end up fighting guys that you know really are not going to be fit to lace up the boots. Because don't get me wrong, he's been a talented lad, but he's just not been talented enough to be able to mix it with some of the other the other guys out there in the division and it's a shame really because he looked like a really great prospect and a guy that looked like he was really going to go on to do something well you know in that division and I think even at one point there was talks of him like moving into sort of European and world levels and it was like when you look at it now you think to yourself bloody hell really but unfortunately he's you know he's, he just doesn't seem to be anything but going down a bit of a downward spiral when it comes to his boxing career at the moment. What do you make of it then, Jordy? What's your thoughts on that question? Um, yeah, probably just echo what you said, really. I hope, I hope Scott's got to correct people around him and sort of really be honest with them and say, you know, your life's bigger than this because I really, I haven't even watched that knockout back. You know, it's it's quite it's quite disturbing, really. I didn't I didn't enjoy seeing Scotty Cardinal go down like that. So, yeah, I hope he, I hope he maybe realises there's more to life than boxing. And then we've got one more question, which I know it's one you've been looking forward to talking about because it was one that was uh, debated a little bit on social media really today. Uh, Danny Boy Frost is saying, since his retirement following his defeat to Usyk, much has been debated about Tony Bellew's legacy. Where does he stand in the all-time great British boxing fraternity? I think I'm going to let you start with this one, Jordy. Give us Mm. your thoughts. No, I don't... Look, I don't think he's the best British boxer ever, but I believe he deserves his respect, and I believe he definitely comes into the conversation and in the list of you know British boxers who've had a massive impact. And I think I forget the guy who asked the question, but he made the or someone on the comment section said, "Are we only won vacant titles?" But I don't. That doesn't matter. He won the titles, and you know whether the vacant or he snatched them off people, he won the titles and. You've got to look at what he'd done for British boxing, not just him, but what he was a part of for British boxing. British boxing's never been this good, in my opinion. It's never been this big. And Tony Bellew was right at the forefront of that. And, you know, he's paved a way for... This might be me being biased, but he's paved the way for so many fighters, not just from Britain, but from Liverpool, who are going to come through and see the way that you'd be successful in this game and how you get out of the game successfully. You know, so many fighters go out of the game with no money on, on the end of loads of losses and that's now you want to see them go out Tony Bellew's come in the game had his setbacks won a world title whether it was vacant or not still won a world title and then he's, he's got out of the game with a load of money all his faculties intact and you know I don't see how you can go out any any better than that the only way better is if he would have knocked Yusuf out and we all know that but he didn't and 
he was probably expected to lose and he did. But yeah, I don't think he's the best British boxer ever for one second, but I definitely think he deserves his respect and just as a man who maximised his talent and got every last ounce of his talent out of him, got to the top of the game, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he be on that list? I'll give you my thoughts on this then. Uh, Danny, who obviously asked the question, I think... I'm not going to sit here and categorise where I'd put him, uh, you know, in terms of British boxing history and where I think he should be because I don't think that's fair to do that because, uh, for me, it's it's not just about the fact that, he, you know, he's won he's won a world title, he won a WBC title against Makabu, who obviously, to a lot of people, wasn't really, like, this great champion. Okay, fair enough, but he still won a WBC cruiserweight title. He, he had a great return victory against Nathan Cleverly you know he's had a great victories against Hay okay he's past his best but that's still uh, an, an, you know he was an undisputed cruiserweight champion in his career he got some great accolades David Hay in his career uh, heavyweight champion as well not forgetting that yeah he was past his best but like you said it's about the impact also that he's made in, in boxing and what he's brought at the end of that fight against Usyk everybody you know regardless of the result for Bellew they, they absolutely loved the fact that he won that fight. They absolutely loved it. You know, everybody wanted to pat him on the head and get a, get a touch of him as he was going out because he became the people's champion. He was like the new people's champion for, for Britain, really, and that's what he brought to it. And he's seen all the boxing fraternity that were there that came out for him. I mean, even Tommy Hearns, the hitman Hearns, came out and watched that fight because he was over here doing one of his like little dinner shows, but he took the time out to come out and watch Tony Bell because obviously, you know, he wanted to see a banging fight and he wanted to see you know, a really good fight against an undefeated cruiserweight, undisputed champion. So, for me, like... I'm not going to sit here and say he's, he's top this and he's top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40, whatever. I'm not going to do that because it'd be so difficult to kind of really, really put him in somewhere there, to be honest with you. But there was a reply uh, to that question from at lead underscore right and what he said was this sounds harsh but he only ever won vacant titles and his best victories are cleverly Makabu uh, in brackets neither are greats and a past his best slash injured hey I think if he would have fought at 190 his whole career it'd be a totally different story and I'd rank him on par with Macronelli I don't think I'd rank him on par with Macronelli I don't I wouldn't agree with that one because yeah, Macronelli won world titles at Cruiserweight, but he won the lightly regard, light, the lighter regarded world title in that division. If it, I think it was the WBO or Frank Warren special, he won that title. You know, he won Tony Bell. You won the WBC, the green strap, the strap that everyone wants in in the boxing divisions. He won that world title in the division, and he went in against Alexander Usyk, who he's probably going to go on to be you know, one of the boxing's legends in the future if he continues the career path that he's on at the moment. So you can't really sit there and say he's, he's on par with Macronelli. I don't agree with that. I really don't. I mean, Macronelli was a great fighter at his prime, but once he lost to Hay, that was it. You know, He was out of there. If he would have fought a cruiserweight his entire career... Uh, yeah, you're probably right there. You'd probably say he might have had more success and he might have ended up becoming uh, an undisputed cruiserweight champion 
if he would have been at 190 his whole career but he, he wasn't he was at light heavyweight he, you know he fought for a world light heavyweight title he's fought for cruiserweight titles and won him he's been in with the, the you know an Alexander Usek so for me he should be at least given the respect uh, as, as a British boxer who's made an impact uh, you know in the sport in the, in the past couple of years especially yeah I mean definitely and you know people say oh he fought for vacant titles but Look at his look what he had to do to get anywhere near his shot of the cruiserweight. He came in you no, know, he had an absolute ding dong with Matthias Masternak and Matthias Masternak, he's not Alexander Usyk, but he's a very, he was a very, very good cruiserweight. He was ranked across all governing bodies. Still is ranked in the in the WBO, I believe, and maybe a couple of the others. I know he's in he's definitely quite high up in the WBO, maybe five or six. So, you know, Tony Blair you didn't get a WBC cruiserweight title shot just handed to him on a plate. You know, he fought his way up there and yeah, and just as we touched on it, the Macronelli thing is I don't want to be disrespectful again as you say, but yeah, I mean I owe Tony value in very high regard and <laughs> I think people have probably guessed that by now. But yeah, um, it was a good question and you know, definitely one that's got a bit of debate going and you know, fundamentally that's what we want. And Tony Bell does split opinion and probably always will, but you know, no one can discredit what's on paper and the fact is he was a a world cruiserweight champion and wild dog the game his way so he's a winner for me yeah no I, I totally agree and, and Dan yeah great question really appreciate you sending the questions in and Simon as well really appreciate you taking the time out to put your questions over to us for the podcast so that's about it for me I don't really have anything else on my mind this week I think I've covered everything off I'm sure there'll be something that happens between now and the next podcast where I'll probably want to rant about it by the time we get on the next episode but if there's been any technical issues uh, throughout this episode that you've heard I, I can only apologise it's it's difficult sometimes you know trying to get these these podcasts done and obviously it's, it's kind of got a suit for times for us and stuff and, and, and obviously we've got families and kids and, and all the rest of it and sometimes we can only really do it via sort of like things like Skype and Hangouts and stuff like that so sometimes you will get a, like a bit of interference and to, to, to be honest I, I'm going to have great difficulty trying to edit all that out so I don't know if I'm going to do that but yeah, stick with us because we've got plans we've got big plans and, and hopefully soon We'll be we'll be sat together on a on a frequent basis doing it, you know, in like a, our own little studio style format where we can we you know we can maybe do like a, even a YouTube video live recording. That'd be great. That'd be something for the future, won't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we've, we've had conversations constantly over the last week or so about little technical issues, but you know we can't let it stop us putting this podcast together. And as you said, we've got we've got big plans and for the listeners just to sort of stick by the podcast because you know sooner or later we're going to be we're going to be really progressing and you know it's something i'm looking forward to and as you say we're making already inroads into into getting the studio set up and that's progressing quite quickly so yeah the future's bright and you know this you know we'll be looking back in maybe a year's time and hoping that we've grown quite uh, substantially absolutely well that is it from from ourselves you know where to find us on the social as always at btr boxing pod if you've got any questions any opinions anything you want to add to the show and some of the debatable topics that we've spoken about on today's show please give us a tweet at btr boxing pod you can tag us in on our personal accounts at sean basto esbr and at jord neald if you've got anything you want to add to any part of the show today i really appreciate everybody who's been listening to the show's recently the numbers are starting to go through the roof as as far as we're concerned at the moment and i'm really really pleased with that so please everybody that keeps retweeting everything 
keep doing what you're doing we really appreciate it the guys that are on the Facebook platform you keep sharing it uh, and it's going across all different boxing groups on social media so I'm really really chuffed and uh, I don't want to ramble on too much about big plans because you know they will happen and, and you guys that listen to it will, will be the benefactors in that as the production value gets even better as we go on but next on Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. The next episode to come out will be at the end of the week and it will be the first of our legendary night series, Marvin Hagler against Tommy the Hitman Hearns. Really looking forward to that one. So, guys, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Network.